Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here. Biblical versus Eastern meditation. We have a brain expert explaining the benefits and the differences. Meditation offers a drug-free way to lower your blood pressure and heart rate and achieve better focus and concentration. But all our all forms of meditation are equal. Well, that's the question we're going to be asking this morning here. Psychiatrist and author of The God-Shaped Brain, Timothy R. Jennings, is joining us this morning. Dr. Jennings, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So tell us how this book came about for you. What what inspired this? The uh, the God-Shaped Brain or the Meditation Guide? Well, the God-Shaped Brain, then we'll get into the Meditation Guide. So both. How did, how did, how, what inspired you to uh, pen both of these books? So my experience um, with, with dealing with a lot of Christian folk is that many people have uh, a belief in God, but some of their beliefs have caused them to actually experience emotional or psychological distress or fear and anxiety. And then the neuroscience began to catch up uh, what's actually happening in our brain based on uh, what we worship, what we view and behold. And it, the, the data came out to show that a God of love, a benevolent, a compassionate God, someone you would see in the life of Jesus Christ, is healing to us, but a God that's authoritative, punishing, fear-inducing, threatening, uh, it activates stress circuits in our brain. It's harmful to us neurobiologically, physiologically. And so uh, it was really designed to help my patients experience better health, wellness, physiologically, as well as relationally here and now. So when we look at God as a loving God, that brings us peace opposed to a punishing God. It's it's yes. If we understand the principles of love are not sentimentalism or becoming a doormat and let people walk over us, when you understand how love functions, then yes, because we set healthy boundaries in that. Some people confuse that and believe that when you say love, you just let everybody do anything they want without consequence or without um, you know. But the old saying, uh, "Friends don't let friends drive drunk." Uh, standing up to a, a friend and taking the keys is an act of love. So love isn't just uh, passive and sentimental. So tell us, uh, Dr. Jennings, when you went and when you approached this biblical versus Eastern meditation, what are the differences? Is that basically how we look at God in terms of being a loving God or or a, or or a punishing God? Now, this is a great question because the word meditation can have several different meanings. And when we talk to people, it's really important to step back and say, tell me what you, you understand that word to mean. Because if we don't, you, you and I could be talking about meditation, but thinking about two completely different things. And so it, biblical meditation is a thoughtful, focused, extended active contemplation of some aspect of God, his creation, his protocols or principles or precepts that are larger and bigger than you, that challenge your mind to expand and, co and consider things um, that, uh, that you hadn't considered before. So it's an active contemplation and deep meditation on things larger than self that are toward the creator God. Eastern meditation, though, is an inward uh, focusing of the mind to silence or quiet contemplative thought, uh, to empty the mind of considering new ideas, and to focus on breathing and calming without new contemplation, growth, and perspective. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So it, it, when we talk about the Eastern meditation, is that something like when we think of yoga up compared to like maybe a, a Catholic approach to Lectio Divina when you're meditating on scripture? 
I mean, that's what I'm, it kind of comes to my head is that, you know, a Christian might meditate on, on a scripture verse and somebody practicing yoga will clear the mind and just, and, and focus on the silence. So that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And say, yes, yoga would be an example of the Eastern form where it's designed to stop contemplative thought, to really empty the mind, to, uh, to not consider new, new aspects. The biblical aspect that you described there could very well be biblical, taking a Bible verse and you meditate to understand the deep meaning. What, what is it? What do the symbolic uh, words represent? What is How does it uh, impact God's design for my life? How do I apply? that. In other words, you, you take it into places to expand your understanding, or sometimes Christians will take Bible verses to do Eastern meditation by making it a repetitive mantra without thought, something like, God is love, God is love, God is love, over and over again without contemplation or thought or expansion of the mind, then you can use a Bible verse to do Eastern meditation if you're not actually expanding and contemplating. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because, you know, it's so funny because I was reading this. My husband and I uh, read the Psalms every day, um, and that was prompted by a Bible study I took on the Psalms. So uh, and we meditate in the Psalms every day, a different uh, uh, verse from, from the book of Psalms. And then so how does Dr. Jennings, how does psychiatry and science meld with faith, you know, and uh, some people think they can, and then the, and obviously uh, I think they work well hand in hand together, but not everybody believes that. So from your perspective, from a man of science, um, incorporating faith and meditating on and scripture and Bible, how does that work? So it's another great example of how we have to define the terms we're using when we're talking to people. So if people use the word faith, you have to ask, what do you understand that word to mean? Mm. In the Greek New Testament, the Greek word that is translated faith is P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. And that, and that word is also translated into English. It's translated into three English words. One is faith, one is belief, and one is trust. So one Greek word has three English words. The best English word that truly connotes the meaning of the New Testament Greek would be trust. Um, what's happened is the word faith for a lot of people has come to mean an, an idea that is not biblical. Mean, and, and it means faith means believing what you know ain't so, as, as Mark Twain said. Or, or faith is believing in something without evidence. That's not actually biblical faith. Biblical faith is trust. And trust is relational. And so you think about how you've come to trust your spouse. Did you, uh, did you come to trust your spouse or any other human being because that person walked up to you, tapped you on the shoulders and said, hey, I'm trustworthy, trust me. Um, no, you didn't trust somebody without evidence. You got to know them and they demonstrated to you over time that they were reliable, trustworthy, other-centered. They loved you. They would sacrifice for you. And you've come to trust them because they've given you evidence of their trustworthiness. That is really the biblical meaning of faith in God, that our faith is our trust in him because we have experience with him built over, uh, over our life that has demonstrated him to be reliable and trustworthy. Mm. So, Dr. Jennings, let me ask you this. Um, you know, we have been uh, the world and... and, Wait, and let, 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 me, let me back up just a second because I okay. want to tie it together with 
science. Okay. And so, and so that trust aspect is exactly how science works. It becomes evidence-based. Your trust in somebody is based on the evidence that they've provided you over time of their trustworthiness. And so our faith or trust in God is based on the evidences that he's provided us. And he's provided them in scripture. Mm. He's provided them in our life experiences. And he's provided them in the science and nature uh, around us, how reality works or the laws of nature. And that's why Paul says in Romans 1 that God's divine nature is seen in what he has made so that men are without excuse. So we have a revelation of evidence all about us that we can base our confidence or faith or trust in God upon that is not denial of reality. I love that. What a great, what a great example, Dr. Timothy Jennings, uh, on science and, and, and faith and, and giving that example of faith in that one term of the Greek word, you're right. It does have different meanings and people interpret it differently. And, you know, and we don't all often think of that and the meaning of these words that we're using on a regular basis, and they could mean different things to different people. That's right. Yeah. Right. In Hebrews, it says uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so people say, oh, there it is. Faith is believing what, with, without it. No. The word substance is the Greek hypostasis, the first half hypo, as in hypoglycemia or hypotensive. It means low, uh, like low blood sugar, low blood pressure. Uh, and the last half, um, stasis, is where it uh, means stand. So it was translated into Latin, substance, substance, sub is in subway, subterranean, submarine means under, and stance, standing, uh, take a stand. So faith is our understanding of things hoped for. The greater understanding uh, of people or um, uh, when we have trust in them, you understand who your spouse is, you understand their motives, you understand their character, then your faith or confidence or trust in them grows. And that's exactly what the Bible definition of faith is. We're talking with author Timothy R. Jennings, uh, doctor, psychiatrist, and a board-certified psychiatrist, international speaker, and founder of Come and Reason Ministries. We're talking about biblical uh, versus Eastern meditation, brain expert, explaining the benefits and the difference of both. And let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Jennings. You know, we have been facing uh, probably one of the most stressful years that any of us have ever faced with the pandemic, with the political unrest last year, with the, with the rioting going on in the country. And anxiety was on the rise. We know suicide was on the rise. Depression was on the rise. People were isolated. How does the work that you're doing on meditation help us when we're dealing with such crisis? So one of the things that we've learned is, uh, one of the things I teach is what I call design laws. We might call them the laws of health, laws of physics, law of gravity, just how reality works. With our brains, one of this is the law of worship in the Bible. It's called by beholding, we become changed. In psychiatry, we call it modeling. We actually become like what we spend time watching and observing. Neurobiologically, our brains rewire and change based on what we spend time studying, doing, reading, esteeming, worshiping. And uh, people get this. If you, if you were to uh, practice a musical instrument several hours a day, neurobiological changes happen. You actually grow new pathways in your brain that make you more proficient in doing this. This is how our brains work. And so when people spend their time watching fear-inducing messaging, messaging that says you're in danger, you're under threat, you could die. There's no safe place. Your neighbor who doesn't have a mask on is a danger and can kill you and your grandparents and your children, uh, et cetera, et cetera. This constant bombardment without empowerment and then inconsistent messaging, and I'll tell you what I mean by inconsistent in a moment, uh, it heightens fear and causes us to, to become more fearful. And then we see threats where threats don't actually exist. The inconsistent messaging 
Um, we find security when there's predictability. We find fear when there's uncertainty and, un, and, and, and doubt. So if you were to step out on a, on a, I don't know, a lake in Minnesota in, in wintertime when the ice is on there, but you're uncertain. Is the, is the ice only a half inch thick or is the ice a foot thick? You don't know. Uh, it, your uncertainty will make you afraid to step on the ice. But if you have certainty it's a foot thick, you're confident to step on the ice. Doubt and uncertainty in heighten our fear. The inconsistent messaging, uh, you don't need a mask. You need a mask. You need three feet. You need yeah. six feet. <laughs> Just back and forth, back I don't and mean forth. to laugh, but that that is what drove me insane. Uh, yeah, the complete inconsistent messaging throughout this whole pandemic. Yeah. And, th and what that does is it actually causes people to have no predictability. They don't have a sense of control. They feel out of control and the, their fear level goes up. And, and there's an agenda behind that is people become more fearful to become more pliable. You can control them. People will give up freedoms and liberties to feel safe. They don't want to feel afraid. And so there's, there's an agenda behind the fear messaging to allow people and people as they become more fearful, they become more, they become less reasonable. Neurobiologically, as your fear circuits fire, uh, they impair prefrontal cortex circuits. So you become less rational and less able to do critical reasoning. You go into survival mode and you, and you will ignore evidences before you that would actually, uh, alter your decision making so imagine you're in a um in a mall and you hear gunfire okay you immediately go into survival mode and then you look across and you see somebody in a police uniform you run toward that person you don't assess that the that the person is actually wearing sneakers with that police uniform and realize that that is part of uh, of the criminal organization that is robbing the mall right now because you just see the uniform and instantly are in a th uh, either friend or foe mode and that appears to be a friend so you accept them as a friend but if you had not been in survival mode you would have noticed there was something off about that uniform yeah you know, Dr. Jennings, you're one of the first people I've heard in the last 18 months that actually put that in perspective. I've been talking about this fear for a long time with colleagues of mine and how we have been put in this mode of fear to, and to my belief as a way to control. Um, but we won't get into the whole politics of things, but <clears throat> having to understand that I think is really important way the way the brain works uh and we've had so many experts uh flip-flop on uh this whole thing with the masks but that's a, a whole nother story we're talking with uh dr jennings here this morning on it's your community he's the author of several books including um uh, uh <clears throat> well several books the god-shaped brain how changing your view of the god, god transforms your life could it be this simple biblical model for healing the mind, the aging brain, proven steps to prevent dementia and sharpen your mind and the God-shaped heart, how correctly understanding God's love to transform us. So what do we do, uh, Dr. Jennings, when we're facing these, these um, you, you know, flip-flopping of experts and we, we're, we find ourselves in the state of fear because we don't know who to believe. How do we handle these situations? What do we do? Oh, I just love what you just said, because what you just said exposes part of the problem with what many people do to try to find security. You said we don't know who to believe. And, and, and that that statement is, who am I going to trust to tell me the answer? Yes. Okay? Imagine you're in a math class. Which is better to actually learn how to do math yourself so you can look at the problem and figure out the answer 
Or is it better to not learn math and just figure out who you can trust to tell you the answers to the, to the problems? What a great analogy. <laughs> I love it. Okay, go ahead, because so, I, I want to hear what you have to say. This is excellent. So many people <laughs> in our society have, have been conditioned, both in their school systems and their churches, to trust somebody in authority, trust the pastor, trust the priest, trust the pope, somebody who can study for you. They're the experts. They're the doctors. They're the theologians. They've studied. They'll know the answer. Rather than becoming like the Bible tells us in Hebrews 5.14, the mature are those who've developed by practice the ability to discern the right from the wrong. And, and, and we're called to grow up from immaturity to maturity, but we only get that by practicing, and this is a different design law called the law of exertion. If you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it, because if you don't use it, you lose it. It's this neurobiological brain. If you want strong math ability, you have to work problems. Strong language skills, you've got to speak the language. If you want strong critical reasoning ability, you've actually got to think things through for yourself. You simply can't trust other people to tell you the answers. And I will tell you in our society, and as I've observed in my community, the vast majority of people are believing what they're being told without actually critically reasoning through the evidences for themselves. You know, I, I have to tell you a story really quickly uh, on that point, Dr. Jennings, is that this last year, I'm a trained journalist, you know, and, and when you're a journalist, the real journalism, not what we're seeing today in some aspects with mainstream media, it wasn't about personal agenda, it was about seeking truth and getting the answers and asking questions. And I was so shocked when I started to ask questions of expert, other people saying, well, what do you think about the pandemic? What do you think about the virus? What do you think about the treatment? What do you think? I got attacked on social media saying, how dare you challenge what the government is saying? I'm like, what do you mean? When did it become wrong to challenge people and ask questions and do our own investigating and finding out truth ourselves? I mean, why would I just take somebody's word and at face value without trying to investigate myself to see what was really going on and asking questions? I can't believe how it has become so divisive that we merely ask a question because we're challenging somebody that other people don't want to challenge and we want to take what they're saying to be truth. It, yeah, it, so it, let's, point, let's point out the Christian principle that you just articulated so beautifully. And that is the truth, the, the, God is the source of all truth. There's a war between, in a Christian worldview, between the God of truth and the father of lies. Uh, truth loses nothing by investigation. When you investigate and pursue evidence and ask questions, truth always comes out into the open. But if you have a system that is built on falsehood and lies, it cannot tolerate shining the light of truth in, and therefore it must shut down the investigation of truth. This is why all communist governments always deny a free press and will not allow a true investigation of questions and evidence because those governments are corrupt and the truth will lead people back to a system of liberty. And this is what we're seeing in society today is that, um, and people, if they understand these methods, will be able to understand there's something wrong with what's being said because there's a denial of honest investigation and inquiry. And people who love truth will not deny because we lose nothing by the inquiry it will only validate the, the truth uh, and lead us down healthier paths. And so what you've described is evidence in its own right that the systems being and the ideas being put forth are not actually based in truth or some other agenda going on.
Yeah. I've always said, you know, I have no problem uh, admitting if I'm ever wrong. If I, if I vote for something, I'm not a, um, a Democrat or Republican, honestly, I am a conservative in a lot of ways, but I don't, I don't vote on party lines. I vote for people. And I've always said, if I voted for somebody and they, they screwed up, I'll be the first to admit it. Or if I didn't vote for somebody and they ended up doing a great job, I'll be the first to admit it. If I, if I investigate a story and I think I've got it right and I find out in my investigation that I was wrong, I'll admit it and tell the truth. I have no understanding of why people go cuckoo when you're seeking the truth but yeah from a biblical standpoint from a christian standpoint i get it i just was so shocked in this last 18 months and anytime i questioned anything on social media the amount of people that went crazy because i was merely asking a question shocked me yeah, and so there's multiple reasons. Some people have a nefarious agenda. Uh, it, 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 you're threatening their finances. You're fret, threatening their power. You're threatening their position. Um, this would be the classic examples of people in power, like communist leaders and so forth, that always try to shut down uh, truth and investigation because they're their power and position. Uh, also, corporate entities or people who are uh, making money off of the certain, uh, whether they're um, businesses or otherwise. If if the questions would lead to a change that could threaten something that they value, then they will oppose you. But then there are the uh, the the duped and the true believers that don't have any um, power of their own or money of their own, but they have participated. And and people who have participated in a certain action, once they particip participate in it psychologically, they want to believe that they did the right thing. They don't want to feel bad for their own decision making, and so they then want to defend the action that they've taken. If your questions would expose that the course that they were duped or tricked, they will initially want to resist that and fight against it and and you and you see that happening as well yeah yeah we're talking that's so true what great points dr jennings you're making i'm so glad we brought you here on intercommunity to share this perspective on on i know we started out talking about meditation um but let's let's get back to that meditation so whether you're a christian or not what are the benefits of meditation, meditating, especially in stressful times, because not all people listening here have a Christian belief system, and that's okay. This is not a, a religious radio station. It's a secular radio station. But in terms of meditation and bringing us peace and calming our nerves, you know, how can we all benefit from that? So, uh, the purpose of the biblical and Eastern meditations are different. They don't have, mm -hmm. they don't serve the same purpose. The purpose of biblical meditation is to bring a, a, a sinner, a finite being back in touch and in, in communion with the infinite God who will then lead them through a pathway to overcome deficiencies in themselves. Ultimately, if you want to nail it down to the root, to overcome fear and selfishness in the heart and restore them into a, a uh, experience of love and trust. Um, this is what biblical meditation does, leads one to expand themselves into a real love relationship with their creator. Eastern meditation uh, is the process of dealing with one's existential anxieties, fears about life, fears about the future, fear about death, stress in life, and, and it becomes self-directed without an, an external in, uh, infinite intelligence that one connects with, and one's self-directed calming or 
or focusing of one's mental attention has a different consequence on the brain than the biblical meditation. Uh, we actually uh, reduce activity in the left hemisphere and increase activity in the right hemisphere, which reduce a, a sense of our personal identity and thinking and reasoning. And we will have a calming effect on our fear circuitry with Eastern meditation that has a physiological measurable benefit of reduced heart rate and reduced blood pressure. And over the course of time, we can have improved attention and focus because we're exercising our circuits of attention and focus by by choosing to focus simply on the repetitive mantra while quieting all other distracting thoughts. And so there are real benefits to Eastern meditation, but it does not lead one into a, 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 a relationship with one's creator God for the uh, overcoming of the uh, internal fears and insecurities with which we all struggle. Mm -hmm. Dr. Timothy Jennings is who we're talking to this morning on Intra Community, the author of several books, uh, board certified psychiatrist. Dr. Jennings, how do we purchase your books? So all, all of my books are available on Amazon uh, or um, other uh, sellers, booksellers can, can, can get those books for you. And then if you're interested in the meditation guide, our website, comeandreason.com, uh, there's a PDF of that. You can download at no cost. If you have a U.S. postal address, you can request it from our ministry, and we will send that out at no cost. So um, the resources are out there and available. Comeandreason.com is for the meditation guide. Dr. Timothy Jennings, he has several books. You can go to Amazon or Google them and find out the book or ask your local bookstore. I'm, I'm big into supporting a local bookstore. Ask your local bookstore to carry them if, if possible. Dr. Jennings, before we let you go, what else do you want to share with our listeners here on It's Your Community? Well, that you have your own identity, individuality in mind, and it is up to you to decide whether you develop it and expand it and think for yourself or whether you surrender uh, the governance of your mind to other people and allow them to tell you how to think and what to think. We advocate at Come and Reason Ministries that people develop their own individuality and capacity to think for themselves. Dr. Jennings, a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Questions or comments or topics you want me to get to, you can easily reach me, Vanessa Denha. You can go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching. Find me there. Private message me at our, our info line. You can also find me on all of our social media platforms, including Epiphany Communication Coaching on Facebook and private message me there and give me some show ideas or topics or any guest ideas that you might have. As always, remind, remind our listeners to connect, to collaborate, and to communicate with your community. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time here on It's Your Community. It's Your Community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.